Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com. We are on the brink of liberty. We demand that our sufferings cease. Now is the time for action. Now! The corrupt order will come crashing down! everyone the sounds of the screen brum theme means it's well, screen brum time it's friday it's 12 o'clock you're listening to brum radio and we are feeling like we're feeling like we're going to storm the bastille the metaphorical bastille will be stormed today because our theme is revolutions revolutions um and what you heard to start the show off there was a clip from the forthcoming or the trailer rather for the forthcoming revolutionary film um i've forgotten the name of them peterloo i was gonna say waterloo there uh, i got my abba head on um peterloo the mike lee film about the uh, the protests um regarding well it's after the napoleonic wars and the introduction of the corn laws and so forth uh, leading to i don't know it's a spoiler to say a massacre at peterloo generally known as the Peace Loom Massacre. I hope that doesn't spoil the ending for anyone, but um, you have had uh, a good sort of 100 years plus of history, 200 years of history to, uh, to, to catch up on. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Scream Brum Show. We are, as we say, talking revolutions because we have a revolutionary cast of characters here in the studio. You're listening to myself, Blake Woodham. Uh, I'm going to be your host for the next two hours, and we also are joined... Um, by Mr. Tim Wilson. Hello, Tim. I wouldn't say I'm revolutionary. Well, I, I'm impressed that Tim turned up today in full Che Guevara cosplay um, with a big, big, big cigar on. It's a good look for you, Tim. Controversial, controversial. So, Tim is going to be here talking about, we're going to be talking about some of our favourite films that deal with revolutions. Uh, we also have, uh, as ever, Lucy here in the studio. Well, not as ever, you weren't here last week due to being uh, unwell, but you are here. Hello, Lucy. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon. And Lucy is going to be manning our Twitter, uh, as well as, sorry, our, our person our Twitter, I should say. I'm still stuck in the... Gender revolution hasn't happened here, has it, Blake? It, it has not got as far as Brum Radio. I apologise, everybody. <laughs> uh, she will be operating uh, Twitter. So if you do have any tweets for us, you may tweet at at Screen Brum. Let us know what you think of the show, uh, if it's good. Uh, if not, you know, keep it to yourself. Um, or And also let us know what films uh, on the theme of revolutions that you uh, like. And they could be films that are about revolutions or they are films that are in of themselves revolutionary. 
Now, uh, what do we know about this? The answer is, of course, not very much. But as ever, we're going to use an expert to paper over the cracks in our knowledge. And that expert today is Dr. Michelle Aaron. Hello, doctor. Yeah, hello. Oh, uh, gosh, don't call me doctor. Well, I'm thinking of the of the fact that we've got the new Doctor Who starting this weekend. A female, oh. female Doctor Who, which is nice in itself link. revolutionary. It is. About time, apparently. Exactly. Very good. Mm-hmm. It's about time. See, it's put, the, the, the subtlety of the trailer, and if you see the trailer, it's not entirely subtle. She goes up in front of an enormous glass ceiling and breaks it. Um, so, you know, they're not... They're not being too subtle in it, but you know, mm. we're all very grateful for that. A little bit there, right? Sorry, meaning into the metaphors. Yeah, mm. um, but Michelle, you are uh, a doctor of what? Film, film and television mm. studies. Now at the University of Warwick, and you're here specifically talking about what? Well, I'm talking about the festival that I run called Screening Right Film Festival, which is the Midlands' very own International Festival of Social Justice Film. And we're now in our fourth year, which is incredible. I think I was here in year one talking about it with you. I can't remember. Time flies. It definitely, I've been here at least once before, talking about banging on about screening but rights. Big, bigger, bigger than ever now. It's multi-city. Now. It is. We've gone to city because I've um, moved from University of Birmingham to University of Warwick. I have the good fortune of being able to try and make it a regional affair, and especially because Coventry won City of Culture mm. 2021. This sort of sets it up very nicely. I hope to expand, take over. Uh, spread the revolutionary message. It's all for all for a good cause. Everything's for a good cause. Well, yes. I mean, you mentioned obviously it's a social justice festival. Uh, yeah. What What does that mean? What, does, <coughs> what is What is What is a social justice film? Well, that's it's a really good question, especially if we're thinking about what is a revolutionary film. Mm. The f- The festival specialises in bringing to expand. Well, it specialises in expanding audiences for certain kinds of films and these are films that have social justice as their theme that means they're talking about historical um, atrocities they might be talking about uprisings around the world they might be talking about climate change but they all have an emphasis upon some kind of social welfare social justice campaign and i'm take it from this that you are a believer that film you know can make can affect social change absolutely i mean that's like the core of what i do is looking at the potential of film to affect personal social and political change now so we're going to be talking about a revolution mm-hmm. yeah um so let's start with the the music that i have to play uh, it's it's a legal requirement to play this uh, so let's get it out of the way uh, and in the meantime please do send your tweets in if you have any questions uh, for dr michelle aaron Send those in too, and we'll see you after this. We're all right. We're all right. That's my best Neil Kinnock impression there. One for the kids, that one. Um, <laughs> so that was obviously the Beatles with Revolution. Uh, one of the rules we have here on the Screenbone Show is all the music we play has to come from a film uh, and that's actually quite hard you'd expect that to be in a lot of films that the Beatles don't put their their rights lightly but I have found that that is, that is from a US TV documentary called The US versus John Lennon um, so we can we can count that we can count that so Michelle you have picked some music for us later um, from some of the films that we're playing at the festival mm-hmm. um, but we did want to start off with the kind of the big the big ones the big revolutionary films and there's one you wanted to talk about 
straight off the bat, wasn't there? The one I'd mention is Battle of Algiers, and I'm drawing our attention to it just because it has been so lauded, actually, among so many filmmakers, because it's 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 such an enjoyable watch in many ways it's such an inspiring watch it's really tense it's it feels like a thriller it's kind of a hybrid genre but it's it's definitely a kind of very watchable film which to be honest some of the other films from its time in other words some of the other films that we might call third cinema and i can tell you what that means in a moment um weren't quite as watchable in the sense that they were some of them were like eight hours long there were like three installations and each one might have been six hours long that were telling the stories of various other revolutions during that period so we're talking about the 60s and 70s we're talking about revolutions that were taking place in central america and north africa around the world um, so a battle of Ville- yeah, go on. So for people who haven't seen it, this is 1960, I think, isn't it? 1966. 1966. Actually directed by an Italian mm. called Ponte Corvo, who made a couple of other films that were notedly kind of revolutionary in mm. their spirit and in their style, and that's important. Because it's obviously, it, it, people often think, I think, this is a documentary, or it mm. uses archive footage, mm. um, which is entirely isn't, is it? Not, no not a moment of archive footage. But no. it is about the... Algerian struggle for independence from France. It is uh, in the post-war years. Um, what's revolutionary about it? Obviously, the content, the, the subject matter is mm-hmm. revolutionary. Wasn't it the last? They used guillotines in that conflict, I believe, didn't they? <laughs> the last time. Um, suddenly, piece of random trivia that's popped into my head. Um, forgive me if it's wrong. Um, what's revolutionary about it as a as in style? Well. So it's good for us to distinguish between films that are about revolutions and about wars and that films like this one, Battle of Algiers, that it's actually considered to be revolutionary. Now, it's considered to be revolutionary for for various reasons. One is because of its content, but more it's to do with how it's been shot. In other words, the story's being told not in terms of one side's glory and one side's defeat. It's showing the revolution to be a a complex matter, but it's very much um, showing the perspective of those who have been colonized, who have been occupied, which doesn't mean that it's showing it from their perspective, because actually it gives quite a balanced view to the French in some ways. I mean, they're definitely the baddies, but there is a sense of perspective, a certain rounding of their characters that you wouldn't expect in that kind of very binary, well, when war's represented in, say, Hollywood, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not binary in quite that way. But most importantly, what it does is talk about if you like the importance of the people getting involved it's meant to be rousing it's meant to inspire revolution through watching the film and through making the film it's quite it's quite difficult to watch now because it feels like it could be current as well i mean it, mm-hmm. it's the, the the visuals of it the things that are happening feel incredibly current it feels quite painful sometimes to watch I think. well you know it was screened in the pentagon in mid-2000s in order to sort of alert people to how revolutions can work and how you must crush them. So it's got that kind of currency. Really? Mm. Ah, okay. So uh, it, it's, a, it's more than just a, an instruction manual uh, for revolution. Um, and it is, uh, Tim, have you seen the Battle of Algiers? Oh, yeah. So it's a fantastic I mean, it's massively, um, uh, I mean, it, it, it stri- I think because I studied French history and it strikes a chord with the French in a really hard way, mm. I think. And I think the French authorities banned the film for a mm-hmm. while until the 70s, wasn't mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Really? It was so, it hit home so much. I mean, I remember when I was watching uh, Hanukkah's Hidden, 
which you, you, you've seen, Mike, yeah, yeah, uh, which yeah. you, you know, you're very well aware of the, the sort of the subtext historically of the film. And yeah. um, it, I immediately thought of this film and thought, you know, th- thinking of how resonant and how the element of guilt and the element of, un, uh, of truth untold, um, it, that's where I come from. Mm-hmm. It's so hard hitting. And then I think from a film fan, the, the, the people who've been influenced by it, you know, mm. the Ken Loaches, Paul Greengrass, Spike Lee, so on and so forth, all cite this film for its uh, portrayal of sides and the way it so expertly puts forward the idea of you know, revolutionary zeal and leaders and mm. the way it's shot. And mm. Yeah, fascinating uh, if, film. If, uh, I saw the, um, what's that, World War Z recently, um, where there's a scene where the zombies sort of uh, in Jerusalem. Which, which You're dumbing us down now, Blake, aren't you? But you carry well, on. Well, uh, yeah, I'm coming at it <laughs> from, from Battle that of Algiers. Yeah, it's all right. And yeah. I, I could see that. I could see it in there anyway. Um, <laughs> but there we are. Yeah, I'm, 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 I am resolutely dumbing it down. That is my revolutionary role here. So that's not as on as part of the festival, is it? Because it's not. Although it did actually screen a few weeks ago at the Mac, also as part of the BFI's Uprising Legacies of '68 theme. Mm. So the BFI have been running this. Uh, funding stream if you like this year to get lots of films about the 60s and revolutions in the 60s especially in Britain and thinking about the spirit of that period and how it's affected contemporary cinema too so there's been all kinds of exciting things going on up and down the country Battle of Algiers was on at the Mac a few weeks ago Um, so I didn't want to show it again and actually I didn't want to take that route again because social justice film festival is always showing films we've always been showing films about uprisings so i sort of took the opportunity of the funding we got from the bfi for an uprising theme to do something a little bit different fantastic so do you want to tell us about one of the films you're particularly excited about showing Oh gosh, I have to pick have one. I, well, Blake, we'll I'm so start excited about all of them. We'll start. <coughs> Maybe I'll stick with that whilst, theme. Whilst you're thinking, all right. I'll tell you what, whilst you're thinking about visions, I'm going to play something, uh, and I want to know um, from a film which somehow managed to pass me by with a revolutionary theme, and I want to know uh, how quickly it takes you, the audience, to identify. So, if you know what film I'm taking these clips from, then please do uh, tweet it. That's at Screen Brum. Now bear with me a second because all my technology has changed. I'm not quite sure which button to press. We've been too busy chatting away here that we've uh, singularly failed to answer some important questions that people have been asking. Um, that clip, by the way, uh, if anyone didn't get it, well, that trailer was from Across the Universe, which is a, a Beatles film uh, from about 2012, I think. Uh, a Beatles jukebox, you know, like the Mamma Mia, the big... Uh, jukebox film du jour I didn't ever actually realise that there was a Beatles one which yes, frankly uh, I'm shocked but I didn't know about and uh, the backdrop of that is the anti-Vietnam protest which obviously galvanised and, and was part of that whole 1968 um, spirit that Michelle was talking about Michelle, um, some people have been saying you're getting ahead of yourself we've talked about third cinema we don't know what first, second mm-hmm. or is there a fourth? Can you explain what you mean by those Fair things? enough. It's a very good question. Yes. We think of third cinema in comparison to first and second. First is the commercial, the mainstream. We could say Hollywood, but we could also point to other national mainstream cinemas that have developed aping Hollywood cinema. Star Wars is first cinema. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Second cinema we think of as avant-garde or art house cinema. So it operates in a slightly different way. It might be more focused on, say, the 
director, the auteur might be more avant-garde in spirit, more experimental. And are we saying David Lynch here? Mm, tricky that one. That's well, a very that's good his own example. Category. You know that, Lee. <laughs> yeah, <I> know. <laughs> that was trolling uh, Lucy and Tim. That one. Where? Who would you put in the second category then? Um. <laughs> That people would have heard of. Are we are we talking Mike Lee or are we talking more? Um, Do you know that's quite tricky. Andy I mean, Warhol. any art house films, any film, independent cinema, we used to call them. But of course, the difference between indie and mainstream has really changed with this. You know, with changes to the studio system, so it's quite hard to separate it. But any kind of quirky little film that you've seen, where you're thinking that it's clearly not, um, it hasn't necessarily got a happy ending. It's not necessarily, you know, based on heterosexual romance. It's probably got kind of. Uh, it might have be playing with time it might be playing might not even have a story hmm. right so it could be you know suddenly it's all gone from my head i can't think of a single film um no, I'm like saying, you know, a single film but so so stuff like with frank for example <laughs> stuff we may have seen we will we, we'll appear at the multiplexes occasionally and at the It'll every man's of this you're world. more in the territory of like peter greenaway mm. or Derek jarman mm. and the american kind of avant-garde filmmakers mm -hmm. um stan brackage etc etc so that long trajectory of, of using film in a kind of as a poetic medium, mm -hmm. as a more artistic practice. So that leads us on to this strange third way. Yeah. What so third about? cinema sort of exists in opposition to that, even though it will care about some of its those principles. So it still might want to meet meet um, reach a mass audience like first cinema does, and it still might want to be poetic in some way. But its absolute priority is about inspiring people to overthrow the bourgeoisie if you like so it comes out of kind of post-colonial and revolutionary uprisings and spirit and write writings of the 50s and 60s especially a bloke called Franz Fanon um, not everyone's heard of Franz Fanon in some ways he is as important as Freud if you like in terms of uh, race um, and racial issues in the way that we might think of Freud as being so kind of uh, fundamental to say the sexual revolution and understanding gender because that's what Freud sort of based all his psychoanalytic theories on is very much a kind of gendered way of understanding sexual difference and then all the pathologies and stuff that came out of that. Franz Fanon talked about um, you know uh, child development, individual development. He was a psychiatrist, among many other things, philosopher, uh, a revolutionary. I mean, he was actually in Algeria, inspired the Battle of Algiers film in many ways, and many of the other films that were made as part of their cinema. But he wrote about the colonised mind. He wasn't talking about gender difference as determining how we all behave, but talking about racial difference and colonialism in determining how people behave. So those that were colonised had their minds as well as their bodies colonized. And the most important thing, the way that revolution would happen is if the individual was able to decolonize their minds as well as decolonizing their countries. And to do that, he actually said it had to be done through violence, but he also said that it had to be done through a kind of, a taking up a kind of active position in relation to what was going on. So those who had been spectators previously hacked to become actors and these films the third, third cinema films like battle of algiers they tell the story of spectators becoming actors so exactly what he wrote about was sort of what those films were meant to do they were meant to inspire revolution and i think there are lots of films that have happened since but especially in some ways currently and what 
the Screening Rights Film Festival specialises in is sharing films that are trying to inspire, if you like, a kind of decolonisation of our minds mm. and a kind of a, a call to action. So that doesn't necessarily mean a, a kind of a literal revolution in the sense of overthrowing a government. It can be changing our perception of, of what gender differences are and, and a kind of revolution in the head. Yeah, it can be. But these, th of course, for Fanon and, and for the third cinema spirit, those things are linked. We might even say for Michael Moore, those things are linked. Yeah. You know, it's about a consciousness raising. We've got to change our minds. We've got to wake up and smell the coffee and, and, and why the coffee is as it is. And then we have to stop drinking it. We have to do something about it. Don't take away my coffee. <laughs> that was a metaphor, right? <laughs> yeah, what? Don't want to panic. Okay, uh, Tim. I'm really fascinated by the concept of third cinema because I'm familiar with the concept of counter cinema. Mm. Where do they vary? Is there a variance? They're quite cinema. Counter. They're quite similar. Not quite cinema. They're quite similar. <laughs> but you could think of third cinema kind of went out. It didn't go out of favour, but it became very much associated with, say, violence, right, with the revolutions that were happening in the 70s, 60s and 70s, inspired in many ways um, the black British filmmakers working in the 80s. Uh, like Sankofa and the Black Audio Collective, they were making films about revolution. I mean, some of them, you know, they were specifically about the race riots that were happening in Handsworth and up and down the country in the 80s. But they were also films that had that, you know, needing to tell the story of black experience in Britain. But you also mm -hmm. see within, we're talking about the English-speaking world, you see a lot of films that come out and you have this period that emerges afterwards that is about counterculture instead. And it becomes more about in the mind. It becomes more less about violence. It's more about resistance. So anything from um, suddenly hair, because I always, I always go to the musical, don't I, Blake? <laughs> hair, the musical, through to performance, uh, the film here, and a whole range of other films that are doing it in a slightly different way, a countercultural way, which is sort of like third cinema light. So in a sense, um, counter cinema is a less violent or is it just that it's just the way in which things are represented? Yeah, I mean, um, we could think of it as a more popular way of understanding okay. that kind of challenging form. Yeah, cool. Okay, I feel the need to, to drop in a, a, a lowbrow reference now, so I'm just, yeah. just going to say... Just in, I was just getting into the spirit of yeah, the uh, no, intellectual you to, conversation. You to, I, I, oh, everyone, yeah. um, if, you know, if this isn't your thing, Johnny English 3 is coming out soon, apparently. It's um, out today, actually. It's on buses. <laughs> we are, Unfortunately. My kids are very excited about it. it does. I'm glad they are, anyway. <laughs> Somebody has to be. <laughs> Somebody has to be. Um, I'm glad you mentioned performance there, mm. Michelle. I want to come on and talk about it in a little bit more detail, because uh, you mentioned that as a revolutionary film not mm. my immediate reaction to it but I want to play some music from it first because um, whatever you think of uh, Mick Jagger and Learning Stones you can't help but tap your toes to this so this is from the film um, performance Nick Rogue's film of well it came out in 1970 and Donald don't forget of course mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and it, but it was actually I think it was laid in the can for a couple of years yeah. before it was released um, and this is a Memo from Turner There we are. Had to let all the last little bits of it fade away. That was Memo for Turner by uh, Mick Jagger, of course, from the soundtrack to Performance. Now, Performance is a film that you selected as revolutionary. Mm. Yes. Why do you say that? 
Well, I think we have to see it in its time, mm. of course. I would say that, wouldn't I? I'm an academic. You've got to see it in its context. But also I wanted to link it because we have another film that's very much about kind of sexual revolutions, gender revolutions that screens the following evening, and that's called Tranny Fag, and that's at the MAC on the Saturday evening at 8 o'clock. But performance is screening in Coventry at... Oh, crikey. It's hard to keep it on your head. 3 o'clock. And we're in Coventry for the first time this What's year. What's the venue in Coventry? Uh, that will be screened at the Herbert Gallery, who we're mm-hmm. partnering with this year. Just starting small, we've only got three films in Coventry, but with the plan to, to really build it on that side. Now, I chose performance because, it, I mean, the reason why it was halted for a, a year or two was because it was considered far too outrageous by Warner Brothers. They didn't want to put it in cinemas. They were scared. Um, and, of course, it's, it's gone on to have such cult status not just because it's a Mick Jagger film but because it precisely represents the kind of gender fluidity the playing around with countercultural understandings of, of uh, identity and sexuality of the time so in that way it really is for me it was like the origin of you know it's one of those origins in this country of a kind of gender uprising mm. Um, I'm going to play the trailer for it just because it makes it sound the most portentous thing. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me one second. So it makes it sound the most portentous thing you've ever heard. It says this is the film. This is the film that's going to change the world. It's not doing it very loudly. Here it is. I'm Mick Jagger. James Fox. And James Fox. This is a film about madness. No soap on the gentleman's collar. Madness and sanity. film about fantasy. How much did you give him? Two-thirds of the big one. Mm, that's insane. The old man was called in the language of Persia. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm normal. <laughs> right, again. bonkers as we uh, <laughs> we used to say um great music but that is um the trailer there for performance so that is one of the films you can see it at, is. The, at the festival um now tranny fag was another one you mentioned yes there. now that uh, i've seen the trailer for that. i couldn't it's it's obviously portuguese it's a brazilian film that looks really interesting it's fascinating i saw it at sheffield Dockfest uh, earlier in the year um and it's just an extraordinary film um it's about uh linda cabrada who is a trans performance artist dj writer uh, extraordinary character uh, a queer electro funk which not something not a genre i'm familiar with music wise perhaps you are blake uh yeah, well i'm i'm a i'm a connoisseur of all genres of so course. queer electric funk yeah yeah uh, <laughs> you know i'm a big fan of linda quid barbara anyway so <laughs> carry on <laughs> 
Um, so she's just, she's an amazing performer, but more importantly, this is it's pretty much a rockumentary and it's very much about how she encapsulates a really provocative kind of call out to all kinds of gender conventions. So if performance is doing it amidst <clears throat> the sexual revolution of the 70s, this is really this kind of uh, absolute shake up of what we might think of um, as, as gender identity of our times. And of course, the issue, trans issues are so relevant now. Interestingly, Brazil is not known to be the radical queer hotspot in terms, I mean, there's a real struggle um, around um, sexuality politics. Um, um, and freedoms there but uh, she's a really outstanding and fascinating character so that's a very highly recommended film so when when's that one on that's on the saturday evening so it's at eight o'clock at the mac um on saturday the 20th of october for those of you that are having to travel <coughs> in specially the mac is the midlands art center um which is uh, edge bastard mm -hmm. and easily accessible um Actually, not that easy accessible, is it? But yeah, it's not near a train station. You I'm can get a bus. Like you, yeah. you could walk. You, you could walk. Could. You, yeah. you could walk. Um, I've, I've just made <laughs> but a But you can easily get, yes. get the 45 bus the from 40. the centre of our town. It takes go. 10 minutes. There you are. Thank and it's you. a beautiful, beautiful venue. Yes, yeah. um, set in Cannon Hill Park. It is gorgeous venue. Nice. Trying nice. to make up for it now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, it's nice. It's a, it's, you can have a whole day out there. All right, that's what I'm saying. You can have a whole day out there and see Well, you back. could have a whole day out, or you could just have a whole day of Screening Rights Film Ooh. Festival films, because we have a fantastic Saturday, in fact. we so have. What would, what would it be? Well, at 12.30 that day, that Saturday the 20th, we have Under the Wire, which is a really powerful film about the uh, oh, murdered journalist... Um, uh, from it was made it, it's a current film but it's about the two journalists one photographer Conroy who who wrote the book that the films the documentary is based on um, and it's from 2012 and so he's telling the story of how his um, and of course I've completely forgotten the name of the uh, incredibly important uh, woman who was Marie Colvin thank you I'm sure listeners will be familiar with her and her work but it's this really gripping account of what happened to the two of them um, so there's that at 12.30. At 3 o'clock, we have a really special event. We're showing Burning an Illusion. That's from 1981, so another early film, another one that's um, sponsored by the BFI Uprising theme. But what's so exciting about this um, is that we actually have the star of the film, Cassie McFarlane. So it's from 1981. She's coming to join us, along with Pogus Caesar, a really important figure for black art in this country, uh, especially in Birmingham, uh, photographer, cultural critic, etc. He'll be there. We have Dr. Lisa Palmer, who's a specialist in gender and sexual politics at BCU, and it's all going to be chaired by our very own Professor Roger Shannon, who's a kind of fantastic figure on British film history, and also, you know, he's been a producer for many um, important British films over the years. And even used to run the previous Birmingham International Film he Festival. Did, back in the day. Back in the day, and yeah. he's been a strong supporter of the festival ever since. Okay. Ever since it stopped. Not since back in the day. So what is, uh, what else? Uh, that was uh, if I'm if I'm in planning on Saturday, yes, I'll still be still be that No, those were the three. So you got under the wire at twelve thirty. Oh, you got burning an illusion at three. P pay attention, Blake. Look at the program. Um, <laughs> you got burning an illusion at three o'clock, and actually you got quite a gap. But you probably need you, you have need a nice walk. Exactly, beautiful park. Have some dinner. Great foods at the mat. There is um, nice food there. Yeah. Eight o'clock is tranny fag. Okay, and that, and then 
drink at the bar afterwards. You're set. You've had a fantastic, a fantastic evening. Bus back to town. Bus back to town. <laughs> Forty-five. Uh, <laughs> now, um, thank you for your tweets. We have had some tweets, and there is one that I'd like to to bring up. This is from Carl Josbury. Carl says he's bored at work, so he's listening. I'm not quite sure how to take that, Carl. Mm. Um, you know, you don't have to be bored to listen to Screenborough, um, but we hope that we are making your your um, your lunchtime pass uh, in less dull manner. Um, and he's talk. I think he is somewhat affronted, potentially, by Ooh. the insinuation um, of a hierarchy between first, second, and third cinema. Uh, he says Star Wars might uh. be quote unquote first cinema, mm. but it is still the story of an underground revolution, um, and you know, it, it is still incredibly influential people do talk about it well he's absolutely right and of course lots of the debates about the problems with those categorizations have been waging for for decades and in some ways that's why countercultural cinema would would become a better term to use because people don't like to that sense of hierarchy saying that you know you could call it other things but it's still important to recognize that first cinema is about the commercial it is necessarily going to be trading on conventions and lower common denominator themes it's not while it might be showing us stories of revolution and you could think of any i suddenly the film glory what's the name of that director uh, i don't know edwards Yes, Zwick. 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 exactly. Yeah. Sorry, and Zwick thinking. is he, or he always he regularly makes films, big budget films for Hollywood that are about revolutionary spirit, uprisings of a sort. Mm. For me, they are the most kind of repressive <laughs> stories because actually all they ever do is tell the same old story of the white hero, the greatness of America, and how you know the oppressed actually just need to serve the great white hero and everything will be okay. So they're really not revolutionary in spirit, even though they might be speaking about revolution. They're actually serving to do the opposite. They're serving to keep people in their place. The argument goes, I think, to serve what you're saying, Michelle, is that they provide very black and white good and bad rather than exactly. um, a battle of Algier, Algiers idea which is showing multifaceted mm. characterization exactly which is a very mainstream one way question of I, I'm going to call your paper Carl Drosby won't like me for saying that probably no I uh, <laughs> but you know it's 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 true that these and and performance is another example of a film which you know may have been um, you know hor- horrified the studio but was a big you know, and would have been presumably a commercial success at some point, still being no, shown course. now, um, with a big star in it and, and you know, show-stopping tunes and all the rest of it. So there isn't, there's nothing inherently anti-revolutionary about being uh, successful, is there? No, there isn't. No, and of course, I guess it depends where you start from. Mm. And it also depends what kind of buying into popularity in the mainstream that would be involved as as things progress and of course that's an you know that's an ongoing argument about directors who or any artist by the mainstream world by bigger bucks uh, for any of us actually an easier life uh with with more money and a job that that rather than constantly here at screenbrum we are we are guerrilla radio (laughs) um we're, we're constantly having the the um heart throw their their money at us and saying come over to us but uh, tim lucy and i are sticking to our guns come and get us heart come and throw the money at us i don't mean it horrified very subliminal mate um well i I was you know it's going back to what you're saying talking about performance again you are we are talking also in my opinion about filmmakers doing revolutionary things Mm. you know and that yeah that kind of uh 
thing that Nick Rogue and Donald Campbell did, as you rightly say, what you know, it was um, horrific in the eyes of the mainstream producer, mm-hmm. <laughs> people who were trying to put the film out. And I can think again. You think of um, you know, we're big Lynch fans, Lucy and I, and we will always throw that as a as an example of filmmakers who can actually touch the mainstream, but do something that's completely uh, countercultural mm-hmm. and completely. Uh, other from a mainstream approach, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, it's a, it's a skill if you can do that. I think and actually c- touch the mainstream. Dare I say? Um, we've discuss. been talking about uh, <laughs> Tranny Fag and uh, tell me this pronunciation, Linda Quibrada. Quibrada, yes, Quibrada. I believe that's not my um, native tongue. Let's let's hear some of her music. Um, now I don't speak Portuguese, uh, so I don't know what she's talking about. I have a look at all the stuff I can find. Um, this is anyone that didn't have explicit next to it, so I'm hoping <laughs> that it's not. Um, but uh, have a listen to this. This is Coitada, and it's a JLX remix on track by. Uh, I'm not sure if it features in the film, uh, but we'll let it There we are. Any Portuguese speakers out there, let us know what Lindy Guerra, I'm terrible with with, uh, pronunciations, is talking about there. It is hope. uh, We we suspect something that is uh, inflammatory for the status quo, something Mm. revolutionary for she is filled with revolutionary fervor, as are all of the filmmakers we are talking about and we have been talking about. Um, We had a little discussion off air about... The, the 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 global scene. The global scene is one where division is is pretty pretty visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also had a, a a local scene, a local political s- uh, landscape of austerity, of potentially a lot of, or certainly presented as a lot of um, uh, generational conflict uh, here in the UK with with Brexit being divided so much by uh, age lines. I'm wondering about the impact that's going to have on young documentarians or young filmmakers. Do you think we're going to see something different? Are we going to see fourth wave or mm-hmm. cinema point four, whatever you call it? Yeah. I've named that now. So well, in official. some ways, I mean, I'm sure people have coined the term fourth cinema for various purposes already, but we could see that there is another set of films. There has been. The digital age has allowed for a whole set of new, well, new platforms anyway for making revolutionary films, you know, whether it's recorded on a mobile phone at a street protest in Syria, whether it's recorded, you know, in Tahrir Square in Egypt, you know, whatever it is, there has been. The last decade has been marked by young people and not just young people, but anyway, using the younger technologies of the mobile phone to make films, to capture footage that then makes it into documentaries, for example. There are a number of documentaries that completely exist in terms of uh, YouTube videos. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. Wonderful documentary by Peter Snowden called The Uprising, and he took all the footage from YouTube and put it together into a documentary. So it's very much about the technology of the time, but it's also about this, if you like, the digital ethos where you are literally you know it's hybrid cutting and pasting putting stuff together montage you know different forms so i think we will see lots of different forms uh, whether they're spoken word whether they're short films whether they're vlogging and we're already see vlogging um, and loads of online content the documentaries have been there the last 10 15 years you know people have been making uh recording on their mobile phones or on sudden or on a hidden camera in, in in their glasses they've been recording their experiences of say protest 
or of you know being undercover uh, in a particularly sticky situation. We've screened a fantastic film called uh, Hooligan Sparrow a couple of years ago at the festival, um, which was about this Chinese-American woman who went back to speak to Hooligan Sparrow, who's this activist for girls' rights um, in China and a whole set of other women who work with her. And she basically just got so embroiled in the story and just filmed basically the protests and then how Hooligan Sparrow was imprisoned and all kinds of things that come with the burden of, be- of speaking out against any form of um, uh, criminality, illegality that is actually happening by those who are in positions of power, often in the government or the local government. Um, so th- I think those films exist, but I think there's also there are definitely going to be new technologies, new kinds of narrative. They're going to be happening more online uh, because the world is online. Mm. Um, and they will be spurred by austerity, but by the whole slew of other issues that have gone alongside. I mean, this is a period of austerity plus uh, so many other issues. So the silver lining is we might get some good films. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I think there has been, I think revolutionary spirit, that's what's these, what I would say these social justice films and my festival is all about, is exactly finding uh, these revolutionary films. And they're going to be not just revolutionary in their content, but precisely because they're telling those stories in really powerful ways that are about inspiring people to feel and to act. Fabulous. Fantastic. I'm feeling quite full of fervor now. I mean, I'm slightly hungry as well so that <laughs> might also be adding to my sense of um of slight uh, unease um but um, but that sounds fascinating now um just wanted to remind people um of the details of the festival and also when uh, it is and where it is so it's the 17th to 21st of october um and it's well, i suppose it's three cities is it two cities coventry and birmingham okay and um, why do i was thinking warwick no. No, okay. Well, University of Warwick yeah. is part funding the festival. I'm based at the University of Warwick, but University of Warwick is in Coventry. Yeah, God, this is confusing. <laughs> um, so I'm just so linear in my, you know, I oh, can't get out of this 20th century headspace. Um, and, and so the multiple places, how do people find out the details and get tickets? Well, they can go to our website, screeningrights.com. They can visit the Mac website. They can visit the Herbert website. Um, and they can find out all about the films. Um, they can book from there, book tickets from there. Um, lots of routes. Fabulous. They can look on Facebook. They can even look on Twitter and apparently Instagram as well. Instagram. Mm, it's all there. That's what the youngsters are at That's these days. That's what feeds the revolution, mate. Well, the, the, when the um, the riots were happening uh, across the UK a couple of years ago, there was a, a particular platform. Wasn't there a social media platform? Was it? Was it? Was it Blackberry Messenger? Well, it was Blackberry. The idea was that Blackberries could be used, and the police couldn't track that. Yeah. It could happen to the radar of uh, police mm. tracking. Yeah, and they couldn't. They couldn't so, be. Uh, so they can go and nick their Tesco Value rice during the revolutionary moment. Yeah, I remember that very vividly. Yeah, I? I remember being. Uh, yeah, my work closing up early. They thought that Mosley was going to be gripped in a fervor of. Uh, the best one was actually. I was sitting in Urban Coffee, and the number nine bus passed Urban Coffee, and you could see all the guys on the top deck of the bus ready to get off and smash some windows. Really? As you're passing, yeah, they will get on the number nine bus. Maybe the number nine bus is the revolutionary bus. But I tell you what, I would strongly recommend um, <laughs> if anyone wants to uh, read a novel about the the riots in London, um, Joe Dunthorne's The Adulterants 
um, is, is such a fantastic novel about millennials uh, set against the backdrop of, of those riots um, and um, yeah I would strongly recommend that and I would, I'd love that to be made into a film mm. but um, I haven't really seen much of that whole period film apart no, from there, there was that been. one with um, Plan B there have been a few in fact we screened of course here I go again we did show a couple of years ago screening rights 2016 I think it was the film Generation Revolution also good because it's got revolution in the title there and we had a fantastic event actually at the Mac for that one and that was about the uh, young black and brown activists as the directors called called it themselves and called themselves um, who were protesting um, after the riots um, and talking about racial politics in London especially but all about activism it's really interesting actually Fabulous. great film so in total how many films are you, you screening uh, 10 in total interestingly we've got a real from my colleague Helen Wheatley's Ghost Town project which she did earlier this year looked at BBC archives and drew loads of material that was all about Coventry and she screened it in Coventry fascinating stuff but there was a reel within that one 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 hour's worth gosh that was a hard for my mouth to, to get around um that was about uprisings in Coventry or social protests so we've got that one hour loop that will be playing throughout the festival at the Herbert so you can come along and I think there will be headphones but there's certainly a screen and you can watch some of archival BBC footage about various protests in Coventry in the 70s and 80s it's great stuff that one's completely free so if you're around you should pop in and have a look at that important to mention Blake the competition we have going on tell us more so uh, we have two free tickets available for the opening night in Birmingham mm. that's what is democracy fantastic film really really wonderful film just really enjoyable uh, not about atrocity uh hardship it's definitely about hardship it's not about <laughs> atrocity or wars etc it's about our current condition of you know where has democracy gone that's quite an apt question for today uh astra walker fascinating canadian directors goes all around the world talking to all different kinds of people uh chefs immigrants low um, paid workers illegal immigrants refugees uh also you know some of the most important philosophers and critical thinkers of our days um uh, of course, their names have completely got Blake. This is not good, is it? I did leave my notes at home, and oh. I did have the names written down. It's, it's okay. Keep going. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, talking to these, yes, please do. What is democracy? It's on at eight o'clock on Wednesday, the seventeenth of October. Um, the director will be on Skype. We've got a great lineup of academics and specialists talking about it afterwards. There's a reception before at seven o'clock. Free reception. So how do Note. we how do we enter this competition? So. That's over to you, Blake, on how you... We just need the names that we can tell the Mac who's coming. But I think we just want people to uh, message in and... Okay. So if you are uh, you're interested in that, all you need to do is to either tweet uh, the, the Screen Brum show, that's at Screen Brum. If you're not on Twitter, you can email us. Tim, you are the uh, keeper of the email address because I always get it wrong. If you want to email us, you can do so at info at screenbrum.co.uk. So we have two, two tickets available. Yeah. Um, and so that's at Screenbrum. Um, all you need to do is to tweet us with your favourite revolution on screen. Okay? Now, it can be, as Carl Josbury uh, requested, it can be the rebellion against the evil empire. It can be um, a sexual revolution film it can be a film that is revolutionary in of itself doesn't have to be about a revolution it doesn't but can we ask that people give us just one sentence of why mm. okay 
Michelle is making it a lot more difficult. But there we are. One sentence, either by email. And more interesting at the same time. Much more interesting. So Thanks. why does this film a revolution for you? Um, and, you know, if it's a film that has created a revolution in your head, mm. a film that has changed your view of the world. Um, so that is at Screen Brum. And you can tweet us uh, there or you can email us on info at screenbrum.co.uk info I'll remember it one day um, and um, we will uh, we'll draw the winner prior of course to the opening of the ser- of the festival which is the 17th and we'll let you know by the channel if you're a winner we'll let you know by the channel that you contacted us by so get your entries in now and we'll tweet more details of that as well right now um, Michelle there's one more film that you haven't talked about uh, much which I would like to know more about because I'm mm. really interested. I'm just going to play the trailer um, for audiences uh, for our audience at home. And this film is um, called A Northern Soul. Yep. Um, let's just play it so people get an idea of uh, what we're talking about. I've had to, I've had to bleep some of it. Out. I've created a kind of remix version there where it's just nice looping. Loop there, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My skills know no beginnings. Um, <laughs> no idea how I've managed that. Let's try again. Anyway, it's a really good uh, trailer. I'd strongly <laughs> recommend uh, you all have a listen to it uh, on the... Uh, you can go to Screen Rights website. Um, but it, so this film, Michelle, yeah. is... Uh, what is it? <laughs> well, flustered now. the reason why I'm so excited about it is we're having it as our launch in Coventry night. So this is the first time the festival's in Coventry and it will be at the Old Grammar School on the evening of Thursday, the 18th of October. It starts at 8 o'clock. There will also be a free reception that evening. Now, the reason why it's so exciting is because it's actually a film about Hull and the city of culture. And as I said earlier, Coventry recently, won, well, it's not that recent, is it? But a few months ago, won City of Culture, which is happening in 2021. But Sean McAllister's film is about the repercussions. He'd actually not been back to Hull. He used to be a factory worker, and when he was much younger, a factory worker in Hull. And here he was coming back, an accomplished document- documentary maker, working all around the world. And he was brought back um, to work on the City of Culture, as I think as a creative designer. I think that's what it was. And while he was there, he met this bloke, Steve, a factory worker, who had these great dreams, as Sean did back in the day, had these great dreams about trying to have a more creative life and to bring kind of arts projects to young people, really impoverished young people, and make their lives better in Hull. And City of Culture wasn't necessarily the solution to the the situation of poverty Mm. in Hull. Uh, It offered lots of opportunities, including for Sean McAllister and for Steve, but it didn't, you know, the film sort of explores how much City of Culture can actually impact, you know, the, the, the majority um, and deal with some of the tensions that exist in society and how. So we're really excited we got that film. Um, really important. The director will be there. Steve Arnott, the guy I was just talking about, will also be there. And it's being the discussion that will happen after the film is being chaired by BCU's Paul Long, who's a professor of media and cultural industry. So as ever, we're trying to mix people from the film, uh, people closely, most closely attached to its issues, and also get some academic in- experts in there to, to, to liven things up or to keep other issues um, live too. Um, our technical uh, wizards have managed to <laughs> mend my uh, fails, basically pressing the wrong button. Um, so let's have another go um, at playing the trailer. 4.40am there goes the sound of my alarm so I hit the snooze button for about three times dragging myself out of bed half asleep half the dead thinking of the eight hours of that I've got ahead mm. 
There's a lot of kids, unfortunate kids, you know, you know, that ain't got a lot of money, and family don't have a lot of money, so I want to give these kids that step up that I've never had. If it's something you really want to do, yeah, put time and effort into it, and you know, you will definitely get ahead. Is successful like you? Yeah, well. Not that successful, I'm still working in the warehouse. Still thinking of 42, and I've got Bob, but now Charlie. I'll show everybody what I can do this year. If it's not good enough, I'll go back to me. How long do you hold on to your dream for? You know. There we go. That was the trailer to uh, a, North, well, a Northern Soul, yes. which looks a lot of fun. So he's wanting to become a sort of spoken word poet and performer. Who, Steve? Mm. No, he works. He, he developed something called the Beats Bus, which he took around to work with local schools and young kids from the kind of hardest areas in Hull. And he sort of saw that as a project that he wants. He's in, into music, um, um, hip hop especially, I think. And so he wants, you know, he used the bus as a way of, well, social change, really, social mm. justice, yeah. Fabulous. Now, um, Michelle does have to to leave us, uh, unfortunately, but we are going to insist she comes back, hopefully earlier than next year, the next time it comes round, because we always uh, always love having you on, Michelle. Always really, really interesting. Thank you, We certainly ups the, uh, the knowledge uh, yeah. side of things yeah, in the show. Yeah, we have to raise our intellectual That's our level. Yeah, um, but it is always, always good to learn. We now know first and second and third cinema. Um, and uh, I feel like if nothing else has happened, <laughs> nothing else comes of today, Blake. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that piece of information will hopefully f- be, find its way into a pub quiz one day or something. <laughs> and I've gone away with a reading list uh, bigger than I had before I came into. And we've all got a watching list as well. Yes. So do, uh, if you are able to make it, do have a look at the Screening Rights Festival. And if you want to win w- tickets to the opening day, then uh, get contacting us. You can tweet us at Screen Brum, and it's. Info, info at, at screenbrum.co.uk. One day you'll actually say it with that. I know, but I'm terrified I'm going to get it wrong and some poor cool. other person in the world's going to get hundreds of emails. Um, <laughs> I'm getting, getting ahead of myself for hundreds of emails. You have a good chance of winning. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> so, everyone, um, thank you very much uh, for to Michelle. Um, I'm going to um, say goodbye and we're going to uh, change over because we have another guest for the second half of the show. Um, I'm going to play out with... Play out with um, interesting piece of music which I had not uh, again had not realised had uh, existed which was the Pet Shop Boys made a soundtrack for Battleship Potemkin did you know this? there's a very odd combination of things in a sentence Blake. exactly um, is it odder than Giorgio Moroder doing Metropolis no it's it's oh. it's actually it actually works a lot better I think than yeah. Giorgio Moroder doing tr- Metropolis okay. so um, have a listen um, this I, is this I'm a pet shop boy I like pet shop no, boys I'm a pet shop boys it's just um, um, yeah they did I think it was at some point in about 1990 there was a re-release of of Battleship Tankin with um, with their score so let's have a listen okay let's have a listen to the track called Comrades um, by uh, Tenant and Low or Pet Shop Boys. Might now, the film will now be camper as a result, which I quite like. Yeah. Well, the bit well all those sailors. 
Sorry, yeah. okay. Let's let's <laughs> Leave move on while uh, we have a conversation. So, um, thank you very much, Michelle. Um, thank you for having me. Blake. We'll we'll see you again soon. And the rest of you, stay tuned for more Screen Bra. Wow, you see, that was the Pet Shop Boys comrades from the soundtrack to a version of Battleship Potemkin, the classic who knew, who knew? Soviet uh, revolutionary film in more ways than one. Heavily ripped off the Untouchables, I think. Um, he obviously had been a big fan of... Morricone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, there's a little... Of course, the little link there is the Battle of Algiers, of course, is a really dark Ennio Morricone score. Oh, yes. If you want a soundtrack that's uh, revolutionary, Ennio Morricone. Fantastic. Quite often. Yeah. Um, so um, that was um, we're, you're listening to the Screen Brum Show here on Brum Radio. It's ten past one on the fifth, I think, of October. So it's Friday anyway. Who cares what day is Friday? Um, and uh, we're talking revolutions here. Uh, revolutions on screen. There's still time to get in your revolutionary favourite. So you can tweet us at screenbrum.com. Let us know which films. Uh, in the revolutionary world, whether they're revolutionary films, whether they're films that are uh, films that uh, are about revolutions, or films that have revolutionary content, you can. And of course, you win. Uh, we will pick a winner. Is that what we're, we're picking? The winner. We'll are pick we? a winner. Yes, based um, on the best one-line reason for why it's a revolutionary film. Yes, uh, and then you can win tickets to the opening night of the Screening Rights Film Festival, which is going to be. Utterly fantastic. So we're very excited about that. We're also very excited we're going to have another guest in the studio uh, in a short while. Um, quickly though, Tim, um, revolutionary films. Yes. If you had to recommend one to your, maybe to your teenage self who is bristling with revolutionary fervour, is there any film that you would recommend to that person? Uh, there's quite a few. You want me to pick one? Why don't you pick one for now? I'll pick... Oh, I don't know. I, pro- I was I was just discussing this with um, with Michelle uh, off camera. I was talking about uh, the Motorcycle Diaries um, and whether or not it's you know it's a portrayal of a revolutionary figure rather than a revolutionary yeah, film. This is early days of early days of Che Guevara, and of course, I I kind of have this thing that um, you know there's an, there's an argument about you know whether fictionalized or romanticized accounts of fil- of uh, particular portrayals of people in history count or matter but it, you know it's a film it can be fictionalized it can be romanticized and you know the same thing was a was a kind of um labeled against Steven Soderbergh's uh, Shea films mm. as well I really love Motorcycle Diaries because I'm a big fan of Walter Salas. Um, he made one of my favorite films of all time Central Station which mm. uh, if you haven't seen you have to it's very very well, very, very moving. Another Tim makes you makes Tim cry film. Yeah, you know, which is a category all unto himself. Yeah. Right? Oh, um, but basically, it's an essential, essential film. And I, I would say start with that. I'd also, I want to, I'll give one more for now, which is Gandhi, mm. um, which is very prevalent given recent events, um, given recent things about um, what's, you know, sort of portrayal of what went on in the splitting up of India and Pakistan. And um, I think it's... Um, it's a really wonderful tale of non-violent protest mm. and uh, very, very moving film. Really lovely. I watched it the other day and, uh, yeah, it still stands up so well. It's an excellent film. Brilliant. An yeah. Excellent, excellent piece of advice. So we're going to be joined um, shortly by uh, Chris Bevan, who is a local filmmaker. He's going to be talking about a film 
that he is uh, looking to get some funding for, some Kickstarter funding for. So we'll play some music and we'll introduce him. I'm going to play you a track uh, from Nat King Cole. This is um, in honour of my late father, who was um, a huge fan of Nat King Cole, introduced me to him. So uh, I'm going to play this in honour of him. Uh, and it's uh, Nat King Cole's Moonlight in Vermont. And the, uh, the film it's taken from, slightly cheating here, is Revolutionary Road. Is that right? That's, That's perfectly right. fine. That's okay. Okay. Have a listen to this and we'll be back shortly. Oh, it's lovely. Okay, we're all now totally chilled out. All our revolutionary urges have faded away as we listen to the smooth sounds. Nat King Cole's Moonlight in Vermont. You're listening to the Scream Brum Show here on Brum Radio, and we're very lucky to be joined uh, in the studio by Chris Bevan, a local director. Hello, Chris. Hello, good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Um, very good, yes. We've, we've, we've been, uh, we've been sort of storming the barricades on the show uh, today, uh, feeling very, very revolutionary. Um, but you are here to talk about, uh, well, it's a revolutionary form of funding films, I suppose, isn't it? Because Kickstarters have changed a lot, haven't they? Changed the way that films are made. Well, yeah, I mean, I've run um, crowdfunding campaigns before. We use Indiegogo for ours, but um, it really has opened up doors to allow you to get films funded that you otherwise wouldn't have the chance to make. Mm. Um, so it's been quite uh, liberating in that respect, actually. Um, so tell us a bit about the film that you're looking to get funding for. Um, so uh, we started work on a film called The Other. It's a short thriller. Um, myself, uh, through my production company, YSP Media, and uh, my co-producer, Belinda Basson, for Dream Fusion Productions, we sort of wanted to make a film that was a short, that was quite ambitious, and um, we'd had the idea of uh, of doing a thriller sort of I inspired by uh, traditional uh, thriller sort of uh, Hitchcock era stuff, but also kind of contemporary stuff like uh, Denis Villeneuve's Enemy. So sort of merging those two things. And we started developing a script and it sort of evolved and we filmed a huge portion of the film, 80% of the film last year on location in Derby and Birmingham. Um, so most of it is in the can already. How long do you anticipate it being? It will be uh, just shy of 20 minutes. Uh, I'm always kind of conscious when you're making short films about the length and the sort of running time. And I always feel that if you're going to have a longer short, it needs to justify the running time, which I feel that we have done with this film, actually. Mm. Uh, and obviously, as we're kind of working on the edit with what we've already got, we're sort of, it helps us shape what we still have left to do. And we have two more scenes that we need to shoot, which is why we're currently crowdfunding. So uh, what are you looking for and how can people help? Well, we have two scenes to film. Uh, the first is uh, an art gallery scene, and this was where we wanted to bring in an homage to uh, Hitchcock's Vertigo. So obviously there's a kind of iconic gallery scene, and we thought well, we want to kind of bring an art gallery into our scene so and have that moment there. Um, so it's quite a big scene. There's quite a lot of uh, kind of addressing involved and bringing in extras and sort of having a full exhibition launch in the film, which is not a not an easy thing to stage on a, on a short film. So that's one of the scenes we're looking to fund. The second is uh, the finale of the film, which takes place on a train station. Uh, so we've been kind of scouting train stations in the Midlands. Uh, those are the two scenes we have left to film, and people can help if they're interested in backing the film through uh, Indiegogo. Um, we're offering lots of perks, things like uh, premiere tickets, uh, VIP passes, uh, insights into the film, exact producer credits. There's a whole raft of things that we've got on offer to, to help people um, get on board with the film, really. And so how do, do people do it? There is quite a lot of footage is available to see, so people can see. And I have to say, um, although the director's in front of me, I have to say we, we've had a look at it uh, here, and its production values look extremely high. It looks very well shot, oh, very well lit, very... Um, 
you know, first cinema, as we say, uh, Hollywood style. And I think that was the intention as well. We wanted to have something that had that high production value. And that was the, you know, as a kind of key stepping stone to move into feature film production, we wanted a short that stood out. And when you watch it, you go, okay, this is something that I could watch on the cinema or, you know, I could boot up Netflix and sort of watch that sort of, it looks like, you know, a high-end drama. That was the sort of intention. And we are, you know, pushing the very, very limits of our low budget to try and make that possible. And I work with, uh, closely with the director of photography, Carl Poiser. We've worked together for nearly 10 years now. And we've sort of got a real synergy going now. And sort of, you kind of almost, you know, finishing each other's thoughts when it comes to how we're framing and how we're lighting. And my process as a director is evolving all the time uh, because of, you know, getting more experience on set and sort of learning, picking up new things. And um, we really tried to change the way we shot with the other and you know going back to what i was saying before about that kind of uh classic kind of uh hitchcock uh, vertigo films like that um obviously a lot in those days a lot of the camera was quite slow very uh, thoughtful and kind of you know lots of kind of moving tracking shots and stillness in the film and we really wanted to make and take advantage of those things within the other and uh, i think that kind of comes across in what we've shot so far actually so how do uh, how do people take part how do, what do they do where do they go uh so we've got our website on indiegogo we've got indiegogo page set up uh and the campaign is called the other a short thriller film uh you can find the campaign on our social media channels so we've got our facebook page which is ysp media or ysp media films which is our twitter channel you can also find it on my own twitter account which is uh, chris bevan 89 um so those are the kind of main ways you can access it on the socials i can't remember the Indiegogo site because it's low numbers they don't actually let you auto-generate but if you went to Indiegogo and searched for the other yeah if you fact check the other short film on Indiegogo you'd find it very easily there okay Uh, and you can give is there a minimum people can give Uh, you can give as little as you as you want to really Uh, the rewards start at £5 that's the kind of the the lowest kind of um, perk I suppose and that's just kind of a shout out on social media and then as you go up there's things like £10 you'll get a private screen of the film which will send to you before it goes out to festivals then you've also got uh, the the kind of premium perk I suppose the one that we're kind of advertising the most is a £25 perk which is a copy of the film uh, you'll also get a kind of uh, pin badge to show you've supported the other and then tickets to the uh, first ever screening which will be a kind of VIP drinks reception event where we're going to be premiering it on the big screen. So when do you hope to, to have it completed? If the crowdfunding campaign is successful we'd like to be able to shoot the final two scenes in January and have everything ready for the end of spring so that's our intention obviously getting it out to festivals is a huge priority for us because it's our kind of biggest foray into sending things to festivals actually we've had some films in the festivals in the past but this is one that we're really hoping that we can do some big things with actually. Fantastic and uh, following the success um, of, of this assuming it goes on to become a huge hit I'm sure it will uh, do you, you mentioned moving into to feature films? Do you want to turn this into a feature film, or are you is it is it completed as itself? Uh, we've got feature film ideas of how we'd expand the story if we had to on the other. Um, we've got a couple of other uh, script projects uh, that were sort of in development on. Um, we're actually in Birmingham pitching another feature, which I can't say too much about, but we're here uh, uh, for the producers forum, a film marketplace at the end of this month, pitching another feature. So we're hoping to get some meetings with some big studios there. So uh, we're always ambitious in that respect, actually, and sort of getting those bigger projects made but as far as shorts go this is hopefully a bit of a calling card that we can use to show what we can accomplish fantastic tim i was gonna ask some questions about the uh what the what the film is influenced by absolutely i I was spotting that you uh cited the man who haunted himself yes which is you know as many people know as rogers roger moore's probably finest performance yes well tell us a little bit about why you've gone for that film is it and why why it's important uh, that was the film that my producer Belinda she cited that as a huge influence on her I think she saw it and kind of rewatched it and thought hang on this is interesting we can sort of 
take the idea of a kind of uh, of a man who's completely losing his sense of self because he feels this sort of intense paranoia and this kind of transformation uh, and that was the one thing we wanted to channel from that film was the sense of someone completely falling apart as they almost lose their own identity um, we worked with a Derby based actor Adam Horvath who took on the role of Marcus the lead in the film and I'd done a sitcom pilot with him a few years ago and I'd also seen him in Brassed Off uh, at Derby Theatre and I just saw his performances and thought this guy can do this and so we pushed him to the limits and he took it even further than that and he absolutely knocked it out of the park in the film was so pleased with the performance which is why we're kind of itching to get back on set and shoot those final two scenes because they're both you know the one is the final scene of the film which is that kind of extreme sense of completely being out of control and the other is a little bit more of a character scene where uh, he's talking to one of his work colleagues Ruth who's sort of a, a budding artist and I guess that allows him to open up about himself a little bit more and he kind of starts to you know, question, I suppose, what's happening to him and open up a little bit to somebody else. But as we know with any film where someone's losing their identity or fears that someone's replacing them, it's a very uh, personal, insular journey. It's something that you can't really discuss with anybody else and it's very, very uh, claustrophobic, I suppose, which is what we've tried to accomplish with the others, that sense of claustrophobia and the walls closing in. So mm. just talk a little bit about how we shot on location in Birmingham. So we shot on Cannon Street. Uh, we wanted a kind of big, nice, uh, traditional older building opening. And then as the film progresses, you go from those wider street scenes. And then we shot in an underpass in Birmingham as well. I'm trying to recall the name of it. I, uh, I'm it I, yeah, I was trying to recall the name when I watched the trailer. I was like, I know that underpass. It's under Queensway and it comes out by Snow Hill Station. That's so that's one. where we filmed that. And then obviously that's the complete opposite of the big street scenes. So you've got that openings wide and then everything's shrinking down. I've experienced quite a lot of paranoia walking down there late at night over the years <laughs> that as well. particular <laughs> underpass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, it's quite, quite, uh, quite uh, <laughs> effective. Sorry. Carry on. That's all right. Um, so, so that's it. Really. So that's those are the kind of main things, and I guess that's where our influence comes from. That kind of character becoming completely paranoid and and just losing all kind of sense of self control. Really, yeah, have you scouted a train station yet? Uh, we have. We're just trying to find ones. We were looking in Birmingham, but so it's obviously a kind of case of getting permits and things like that. Uh, we would absolutely love to film at Snow Hill Station itself. Kind of the the way that the station's laid out is perfect, but it's always a case of can we get consent to film there and stuff like that. So we've got a couple of options on the table that we're kind of scouting at the moment. So fingers crossed. How difficult is it to get permit locations? Having, having, as there isn't a representative of Screen Birmingham here to tell us, it'd be good to sort of get that kind. Of it depends. I mean, Film Birmingham were amazingly Sorry, helpful. Film Birmingham, not Screen. That's Birmingham. okay. I mean, Film <laughs> Birmingham they were absolutely wonderful they were so supportive and they helped with all the locations we could so all the street locations getting those streets getting consent to shoot on those that was great obviously a station's a different matter because of it's owned by the the line so yeah. you've got to go to the representatives there and get consent and you know usually you have to limit the number of crew which we're able to do because it's the finale it's quite a small self-contained thing which is mostly shot on steadicam um so hopefully i we know it's getting very technical but I, I know there's been a kind of change of ownership there recently at that at that particular line so fingers crossed you might find a way and if not there are plenty of other stations that we hope will be uh, open to the idea of shooting because it does happen and for those who don't know is there are you limited to the sort of amount of time you're allowed to shoot in a particular location based on you know the permissions uh, again depends on what the location is um i know with the stuff we shot on location here we were very very rushed for time actually we had to shoot half the day in birmingham and then move the entire crew which was about 30 of us back to derby to shoot another scene over there so that was a big big day for us and we'd stopped overnight and shot in birmingham the previous day so um usually no a couple of hours really we don't want to kind of push it because obviously locations have got things going on as well yeah, cool. and my final question is what's with the scar on his forehead Scar. So the scar is something that uh, without giving anything away. Without, without giving anything spoilers. away, 
Um, the scar is there at the opening of the film, and you can actually see it in the teaser trailer. So we've uploaded a 30-second teaser trailer using footage we've shot from the film already to give people an idea of the kind of production values you talked about before. Um, the scar is something that's there immediately in the opening, which kind of... It's not directly answered about why the scar is there, but there's some suggestion, there's some sort of incident that's led him into this situation where he is starting to lose his sense of self and build that paranoia. It's like an, an accident that's the kind of precursor to allowing whatever demon is buried inside to come out, really. I will say, I, I had, you know, well, we've been talking about the film Possession for uh, when we were coming in, thinking, it can't go that way, can it? No, no, no. <laughs> um, it's not, not let's as not go as that, that way. No, no. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the only way to find out for sure about the scar is, of course, to have, watch the film when it's finished. So the exactly. only way for it to be finished is for people to back it. Exactly. So go to Indiegogo.com. Com. We'll share the link on our Twitter uh, feed and, and our Facebook um, feed. And uh, if you can, pledge some money toward that because um, certainly, as we say, you know, we, here on the Screen Brothers Show, we, we do get sent quite a lot of, of links and films and uh, a lot of people asking for for, for help. Um, but this one especially caught our eye as having really good, looking good, looking like a really interesting, visually appealing film. So we're, we're quite looking forward to hearing it, uh, seeing it finished. So thank you very much for coming in, Thank Chris. you for having me. Thank you. Um, I'm going to play out with some music um, and uh, this is from another revolutionary film um, but this one is uh, slightly different in that it's not about revolutions it's from the film 45 RPM which uh, 45 for, for our younger listeners 45 RPM was a speed at which a record actually a record uh, for our young, even younger listeners was a uh, it was like a seat oh no hang on this is getting worse let's just say this music was from the film 45 RPM vinyl <laughs> it's vinyl yes uh, just a- ask your hipster ask your hipster uncle uh, and we'll play Walk Right Back by the Everly Brothers That was from uh, uh, 40, 45 RPM, uh, Everly Brothers. So we are Walk Right Back is the name of the track. Um, so we are, we've had all our guests. We've, we've chopped them out. And we're now uh, relaxing in the studio. And we have managed to be joined by Lucy Beth, our producer, who has been here but uh, has been diligently tweeting. Hello, Lucy. Hello. I'm sorry. It's a bit of a downgrade. Oh, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, but we're very happy to have you here because um, we wanted to, to, to round off our, our revolutionary show for the last half hour with some... What we found a lot, lot of you guys out there like is just us giving you some ideas of films you might like to, to look at, films you maybe not haven't heard of or haven't seen for a long time. And, of course, our guest Michelle Aaron has already done that very well today with a number of films, but there's a, you know our own our own favourites from the f- the world of first and second cinema which I'm now <laughs> going to start using regularly just because it sounds like it winds Carl Josbury up there on Twitter um, not that it's been uh, very entertaining today <laughs> so, Mr. Josbury so, um, so yeah any revolutionary films for you anything that we haven't talked about that would you would choose for to, to spark a young revolutionary for example Lucy any thoughts well Michelle, as was to be expected, really got me thinking about things a bit differently. I struggled with what to think about for this one. I got stuck on the thing of films about revolution rather than films themselves being revolutionary. Mm. Um, So once um, 
started thinking a little differently about that. Um, I went to Jean-Luc Godard's A Film Like Any Other from 1968, which is another in-theme thing with it being the spirit of 68 mm. from the BFI and from Flatpak at the moment and what she's working with for screening rights, mm. I believe she said was connected to that. Yeah. So um, his quote connected to that was, the, the problem is not to make political films, but to make films politically. Mm. So it's crossing over that borderline and how, how to find a, a, a balance that goes either way. So is this about the actual kind of production and the... The, the sort of people involved and making the actual act of it I suppose it could be that too mm. yeah that's a whole other realm of things of ha how you can do um, possibly a counterculture film made in a yeah. way that, that goes against the grain of which I suppose even things like um, who was just on talking about his film so, that yeah. needed um, funding I suppose that in a way is a, a, a revolutionary well, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, thing of it's changed. asking for funding yeah, and it's changed it's a lot hasn't it we, you know it, if we are in the realm now of and it's not just you know relatively low budget things that are happening I think hasn't there been some sort of big TV series in America's that have been saved through these methods and uh, you know big big funding of of, of big films and albums and, and stuff like that as well it's, mm, yes it's particularly with Patreon that's yeah. uh, that's become a big thing with artists like Amanda Palmer who she now that's her entire career is Patreon yeah. so that's an ongoing Kickstarter we yeah. uh, we as in Brum Radio have Patreon um, and uh, you uh, if you are uh, enjoying the show or indeed any of the shows we have here on Brum Radio go to the Brum Radio website brumradio.com one of the reasons to go there is there's loads of interesting stuff and all the old shows and stuff as well you can you can listen to uh, but if you are enjoying it and you do feel able to give some money uh, you can invest in Brum Radio as well and mm. uh, just give us a little bit um, it would be really helpful to us uh, it helps to keep us advert free um, which is one of the great things about this station as well as all of the excited dedicated people that work there and also me diddly d uh, tim um i would i mean i think there's a lot of um films that you know we can look at which are in the kind of british tradition of revolution rebellion i'm going to pick i could pick many from ken lurch and mike lee if i'm going to pick mm -hmm. one i'll pick i daniel blake um, of all the films in recent years to really hit a resonance with me about what this country is going through and a film to m remind people about the struggles that people face in society. This one has hit me, this one hit me harder than most, I would say, in recent years. Um, it's uh, it's a really, at times, actually really... Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a weird thing with Ken Loach. He does a very positive portrayal of, of human beings and their reaction to things and plays things in a very matter-of-fact way, but in that way that Ken Loach really s has a subtext, which is around how the state doesn't support people and how the state um, exploits people. And um, I, I, a note also is not in, not in the main character, but actually in Hayley Squire's um, performance uh, of, of Katie, the single mo mother at the, at the mercy of the welfare state. And there's this one scene where she goes into a food bank 
and she's desperate and she's in tears and I absolutely lost it. Um, and anyone who will watch that scene, it's one of the most powerful scenes I have seen in the cinema, mm. period. Um, so uh, it's a film about revolution in the Daniel Blake way, you know, and he comes up and writes on the wall and everyone cheers and it's kind of a, a kind of a, a film, actually the film's moment of levity despite the darkness of, of the film's, uh, film's uh, soul, but it is a film about revolution, as is, as I think many of Ken Loach's films are. Oh, yeah. One that um, I chose is Land and Freedom. Yeah. Uh, which is explicitly about the the, the, well, the Spanish Civil War. All the um, Wind That Shakes the Barley would be another one I would point out. Yes. You know, that was the Palm Door winning film. You That's know. about the Irish Uprising, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, Ken Loach, uh, some excellent kind of revolutionary films there, perhaps more explicitly... Yeah. Revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, any other choices? Any other? Any of your top? Well, we've done t- one. So, have you got any more for a top three? Oh well, I I just got stuck on I Daniel Blake then. It's, like, <laughs> it's just yeah. So you feel like you need to go and have a, a lie down and, yeah. a, and a hug from someone, don't you? It's a bit definitely. It, it's just devastating. Mm. I remember though, I saw it at the Electric and leaving the cinema. There were some people um, in the foyer laughing and saying how funny it was and saying, well, things like that don't really happen. Mm. And for, for there to be that <laughs> kind of um, numbness to something that is horribly, horribly every day, mm. which is what made it so brutal, was that it, it it's more than believable, it's true. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> But still some people seem to have that blinkered existence which is quite sad yeah yeah but uh, yeah yeah, i mean you can lead a horse to water i suppose Mm. um but that's that's that can always be the danger of Mm. of kind of like you're saying the moments of levity are so important in those things because there is a danger otherwise that they get these films become characterized as you know just depressing kitchen sink dramas that oh why would i want to see that and and i guess there does need to be a reason for people that might not be you know their first reason might not be political to see them i, I suppose but I, I, what I, the one i'd bring up if it's going down the more rebellion rather than necessarily full revolution route would be hunger um, by steve mcqueen that was my next film oh, i'm so sorry um so this is this is um, about Bobby Sands. Yes, it? it is. Um incredible performance from Michael Fassbender. Um you don't actually see him for the first fifteen, twenty minutes of the film and it, it's but then once you do, despite him being this all encompassing part of the film, it's not just about him. It tells it from both sides. It, it you get the perspective of the prison officers as well as the prisoners, as well as the priest, as well as he himself. Mm. Um, and th- that is one way you don't, you don't get that moment of brevity and lightness. It, it is pure bleakness. <laughs> it, it's, it's horrific. I, yeah. I screened it once and no one moved for over five minutes when it finished. Yeah. It, it was it's like being sucker punched but it, it's an incredible representation of it and um it, it's that to to be faced with that horror it, it m- makes you see why things like that happened 
There's two things I would say about that film, which I was going to point out. I love how Steve McQueen uses bodies as a canvas. In this case, you know, um, he does it with he does it to a certain ex- extent with the follow-up film Shame. Um, but I would say, you know, the idea that body is continually dirty and bloody, um, and what it shows is the determination of an individ- of a human being to stand up for the thing that they want to sacrifice everything for. It's not about in a sense it's not even about the IRA here it's a and uh, I, I think that what it is is about a prisoner who you know sacrifices everything for his or her belief you know that 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 kind of and of course we see it in you know, uh, 12 years a slave yeah which is obviously Stephen Queen's sort of big first cinema hit this is a very Mc- Steve McQueen uh, trait I think mm. he's very in your face and very stark about how he does something yeah and um, uh, I, this film's probably still his finest film. Hide um, under a table, twelve years a slave fans. But this is uh, this is his finest film, just because of Fassbender. And if, the, it's if amazing. you are uh, um, if you are unfamiliar with the work of this, if you are googling Steve McQueen, this is Steve McQueen, the artist, British artist, film director. Hmm. I think he's British, isn't he? He's not American. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not the uh, American film star, who we also approve of, um, <laughs> but. Um, would be would be a surprising choice to direct some of these films. I'm going to play a little bit more music, um, and it's quite a long track. I'm not going to play all of it um, uh, because it's from the film uh, Ar- Argo, um, which I don't know if you've all you've seen Oscar-winning Argo. Oh, I love Argo's great. Yeah, fun. So it's a great. It's, as I say it's fun. It is actually quite fun. Argo, you, you know, even despite the. The serious subtext. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's a jolly, it's kind of classic. It, it, jolly film. So it's an Oscar-winning film about uh, set against the backdrop of the uh, Iranian Revolution, 1979. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck um, directed and starred, and it has a kind of. Um, it's just a classic kind of 70s paranoid conspiracy theory type film. I think it fits into all those categories. It, it, it looks fr- like it, it. it totally is from the um, the uh, Soderbergh Clooney Hesloff. Well, Clooney and Hesloff produced it with him, didn't they? Mm. It's from that. It's from that school of uh, filmmaking. You can see where Affleck gets a lot of his affectations from. It has a Soderbergh zeal all around it, doesn't it? Mm. Talking so of revolutionary filmmakers. Let's, yes. Yeah. Well, we, we've mentioned Shea, of course. Yeah. So uh, let's have some music from it. In that case. Um, and we hope you enjoy it, because um, it's brilliant. And John Goodman's ace in it. John Goodman's always ace. He's always ace, though. It pains me to have to cut off Led Zeppelin the in their prime. broken, mate. I know, but I have to uh, do that, because the track is seven minutes and... Uh, Eight seconds long, and we still have to talk about a little bit more about our revolutions. Why you say I can never play any of my prog favourites on this show? Yes, that's the reason I tell Tim that we can't do it. Um, we, we'll have a prog. We'll have a prog day, Tim. Okay. Um, Not much chatting, just playing. Song. Just just playing one of your forty-hour treatises on the Lord of the Rings. Um, so uh, we're here on the Screen Brum Show. We've got. Um, we're going to be just finishing off talking about our revolutionary films um we have had uh, another tweet in from uh, mr carl Josbury, who talked about a film called uh, in the intense now mm. uh, which he saw at flat pike which is about the 68 student uprising in paris and the charismatic characters on both sides of the divide so uh, that's another one 
to take a look. I haven't seen it myself, but uh, anyone else? I was else working on the door for it. So you were working I on the door. I was aware it was happening, but I was checking tickets for it. Oh, so. Such commitment! <laughs> Don't you get to sneak in afterwards? Very rarely. Oh, dearie me. That just sounds cruel and unusual. Um, so, uh, any other choices? So, um, I we've, the three that I was going to pick, we've already talked extensively about the first one of those, which is The Battle of Algiers. Um, the other one is a film I haven't seen, but I feel like I can comment on, uh, which is Persephilis, um, which is a, a film again set against the backdrop of the Iranian Revolution. I haven't seen it, but I have read the book on which it is based, and, and, and my understanding is it's quite uh, faithfully based. Very. Uh, and it's an animation, so it looks visually the same as the as the. Um, and, and that's a great book, a coming of age story against the backdrop of of the revolution and uh, and a, a young woman having to find her way in the world, and indeed traveling to different parts of the world and, and struggling to fit in. So that would be my choice. Even though I haven't see, seen it, I'm going to recommend that you do and try and see it myself. Um, and I have one other choice, um, but I shall let Tim and Lucy add anything else that they would recommend before. Lucy. Well, you've just taken my next option. Sorry so, but that. that shows that you, you know how... The, the, it's exactly the same as the book. Yeah. It, it's just transferred to screen. Well, Iggy popped um, in one of the voices in the English version, I believe. Did he? Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm looking it up today. He, I, he was wow. one of the voices. Yeah. I didn't realise that. Yeah, Sean Penn. Um, but I think, yeah, Iggy Pop was one of the... I think not. I've only seen the subtitled version. Oh, okay. So... There you are. Well, I'm going to have to find the dubbed one now yeah. as well. Um, so that I'll skip over that then to The Dreamers, um, 2003 film by Bernardo Bertolucci, um, famous for Last Tango in Paris. And if you've seen Last Pan- Tango in Paris, then you know what to expect from a Bertolucci film, mm. really. Um, so that's set in Paris during the 68 uprisings, and it's a American film student who goes over... And, and meets a sister and brother and befriends them. And their slightly bizarre relationship um, against the background of the uprisings. So it, it's quite interesting as their menage a trois becomes more explicit and more... Intense. So do, yeah, yes, trying very, very careful. Um, yeah. So does what's going on around them, mm. and it reaches levels at the same rate until it all bursts out onto the streets with them mm-hmm. running in the middle. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm, I'm not sure I'd put it. It is a film that I love, but it's worth the, it's worth watching. It's interesting, and it's a debut performance from Ava Green. So Very bold, it, always it's, worth watching. Yes, yeah, yes, and there, there was a big. Her parents really didn't want her to take the role because they were worried about how it would impact her future career, um, which is understandable given what the, what the film contains yeah. but it, it's it's a really interesting thing particularly what what surrounds them is 
more interesting than them. Fantastic. That sounds great. Bertolucci's The Dreamers. I was just reading Peter Bradshaw's review in The Guardian of this, <laughs> and he was talking about the, uh, the the sexual scenes in the film. He said, um, "This is. The, I'll read the paragraph. It's quite funny. Naturally, no self-respecting sophisticate admits to being af- affected by sex scenes, but I will only say that the full throttle, full frontal moments in The Dreamers seem to enforce a cathedral hush in the London screening <laughs> I attended. Though at the Venice Film Festival, the response was a light and ubiquitous chuckling, and one sequence in particular was punctuated by the sound of someone's notebook distantly clattering from lap to floor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, That's what we love. There was actually some cut from it as well. So even Bertolucci himself decided it was going too far. Really, you know, it is full frontal and it it, it just says something about the the bravery of actors to even do that, Mm. even when you're unknown. But it, it springboarded Ava Green's career. Mm. And, um, you know, Casino Royale onwards and upwards from mm. there, really. Mm. So, uh, so uh, another choice from you, Tim. We are coming very close to the end of the show. So. Oh, well, Persepolis was my the pick. Was Good thing we choice. checked in before we did this, yeah, eh? I'm the one who mentioned um, I haven't seen it. So. I will, just because I can, I will throw in uh, bananas, I guess. I mean, it's been talked about a lot on Twitter this week. Yeah. I think everyone, you know, it, it, it is kind of, again, it's funny you talk about counterculture and counter films of 1968 and all the things that Michelle Aaron was talking about. This is in the same year as performance. I mean, also the year after even. 71, yeah. 71. And uh, again, uh, if there was a counterculture filmmaker at that time, Rudy Allen was it. Yeah. And this film is about revolution in New York. It's very bonkers and very out off the it wall. It has a, um, um, an early performance, uh, early appearance of uh, Sylvester Stallone. That's right. In this film, he plays like a sort of, you know, thug. He's credi- uncredited as Subway Thug. Well, he's Subway Thug number one. Mm. Uncredited. <laughs> number one. <laughs> None uh, of that number two nonsense. One of one of three point five. And uh, yeah, and um, you know, he's it, as usual. The uh, you know, the worldview of the uh, Woody Allen is very fraught. Let's just say, and very funny at the same time. It is a very funny film. I have to say that was my that lots was my of Jewish choice. jokes as per usual, and, and, and uh, yeah. And it's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, ridiculous sort of glow dropping silly film but very very funny you can't get away from that um that was my choice so uh it feels like we are in sync in sync sync um we are right up against the end of the show now i do want to have a final uh, word from everyone of a very quick rundown on what you've been watching since the last show is there anything that you've seen that's really caught your imagination Caught you've seen Gaspar Noe's film. Oh, that it's been an excellent week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two of the best films of the year. Wow. Um, within Venom four days. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny English. Uh, <laughs> Gaspar Noe's climax is. Is, it, is this incredible. one of these things it's I need to be sort of locked away from before I go in? Um, possibly. Oh. It, it's. He's back on form. It, it's. Um, it's a terrifying prospect. Yes. Uh, it. it for, I he had a really a terrifying naive prospect. moment. <laughs> he, he's one of my favourite filmmakers, but going in, I never think about things like um, age certificates on films. And it came up as uh, saying eighteen, and I just had this brief. Oh, I hope it's not too nasty. And then I thought, what, what, what? What am I expecting? expecting. <laughs> You're walking into a gas by an air film. It's going to be in your this, face. I just had this brief moment of forgetting where I was and what I was seeing. Uh. And um, it, but it, it's 
stunning. It's absolutely fun. It's it's jarring, mm. and mm. It, it's him back on a brilliant. And it's so beautifully choreographed. The first 15, 20 minutes is just dancing, and it's wonderful. It, it's I've not seen that done on film like that before. I don't mm. think. Um, sort of contemporary street dancing and then it just erupts into a nightmare and that wasn't even your choice sorry I didn't mean to, you had another film didn't you yes it actually got overtaken by Lucky which I've been so uh, excited Harry for Dean Stanton's Harry Dean Stanton's final is that still showing by the way uh, no it was it's been so upsetting. It's taken forever to get screened. And then when it has, it's had barely any showings. So it was on for a couple of nights at the Mockingbird and a couple of nights at the Mac. Um, so caught it on final screening at the Mac. And it's made me feel like I never want to watch another film again because nothing else can ever be that beautiful. <laughs> it's just so wonderful. That's Absolutely that wonderful. It, it, it is just Harry Dean. Yeah. It's, there's nothing much you can say about it, is really. Is he back in the desert? Yes, yeah. Harry yeah. Dean in the desert it just seems to go together, don't they? Yeah, it, it's cinematically beautiful, but uh. it, it's the fantastic soundtrack including an ending song about Harry Dean so it's got everything you could want Um, we're being um, told to get off we've been told to get off there we'd love to stay here for another (laughs) two hours Tim very quickly though have you been is there anything you've seen this week Uh, I'm sorry I'm I'm stuck in mainstream fodder and none of them really were that good Uh, King of Thieves was kind of televisual goodness me you went to see that I was running out of things to watch on my Cineworld card so Um, it it consists of um, uh, a bunch of uh, famous British actors doing Cockney and some people are Cockney and swearing a lot and uh, it's televisual Mm. could have been so good you think that cast you shouldn't make a mess of that and it's a Cho Penhall script what yeah. went wrong? Uh, next, sorry, it was all right. It was it, it had some jolly moments, but mainly old guys looking older. Sorry, my final and the other thing I saw was Simple Favor, which is Paul Feig's film with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, which was which was kind of about seventeen genres in the space of a couple of hours, and it was quite fun actually. Yeah. It was all right and uh, very at very at times very funny. And it then, looks like a sort of Hitchcock kind of uh, sort of pastiche. Is it's, that? it's kind of like if it was like cutesy Hitchcock with uh, added Anna Kendrick and um, and it's kind of fun. Well, anything with a character, anything with Blake. Uh, Blake Lively <laughs> is lively. She 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 steals the show in the film. She, she you know but, she, she needs yeah. to get herself a proper name. But apart from that, yeah. we'll let her off. Um, yeah. So I can't can't compete with the two amazing choices from. Uh, you see that well there's plenty of opportunity to see lots of films so get out there uh, this week uh, if you can and we're now overrunning like King of Thieves we're overrunning <laughs> like King of Thieves so we're going to be getting off the air thank you so much for listening really appreciate it everyone out there uh, and for your tweets and contributions remember follow us on Twitter you can still win tickets to the Screening Rights Festival um, you can at Screen Brum or email us info at screenbrum.co.uk and tell us uh, your favourite revolutionary film and why. And if you are the winner, you'll win tickets to the opening night of the Screening Rights Film Festival. Other than that, have a fantastic weekend. Thank you very much, Tim. Cheerio, everyone. Thank you. And thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Blake. Goodbye. And Tim. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.